take your Bibles to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Uh, I'm excited yet nervous uh, to come before you, and so I'm just praying for the Lord's guidance in this. Um, so I know the young people are at camp. The experienced people are in Leavenworth. The children just left, and that leaves us, the young, the not young, and the not experienced people left behind. So Mark chapter 8. Uh, with hardly any preliminaries and with no youth choir, uh, I plan on getting you out of here. Uh, hopefully, if you forgot that one thing at Costco, hopefully I can get you out of here so you still have time to run to there before the close at 8.30. So, uh, that's my goal. Mark chapter 8, um, and uh, I'm going to do something I probably I told myself I'm not going to do, but I still think I'm going to uh, show appreciation to Brandon Swart. Brandon Swart is our sound guy for every 8.30 service and every Wednesday service. And so, uh, Brandon, thank you for being here. And John Holgo's here running the slides. And so I don't, I'm the nitpicky one, so he gets to do it. And then uh, Noah Wooster will be here to do cameras. And so uh, I appreciate all the people who are involved. And uh, Amanda helps out sometimes. And so there's a lot of things that go with the, the sound um, and the video and uh, they, they do a lot of good stuff. And so I appreciate them for being faithful. Mark chapter 8. I need to go there myself. I want us to stay in the Word of God. So I actually told John that there will be no verses on the screen. So hopefully you have your Bible with you. If you don't, in the pew in front of you, there is a Bible. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 22. We're not moving from this passage. So uh, I'll move from the pulpit, but I won't move from the passage, okay? If you could stand together with me as we read the Word of God. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. It says, And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon it, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes, and made him look. And he was restored, and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor, nor tell it to any in the town. We're going to pause right there. We're going to pray, and we'll get into the sermon. I apologize for those who've already heard this lesson once before. Um, but uh, I tried picking a lesson I've not done before. And uh, this is what the Lord just kept leading me back to. So, uh, Mark chapter 8, we're going to pray and get into that. Dear Father, thank you so much that your word is endless. Lord, this was written thousands of years ago, and yet you make it alive for us. And we ask that you guide each and every one of us in this room. Let your Holy Spirit move, whether it be in the one speaking or the one listening. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be evidence. And that at the end of the day, we wouldn't uh, just say we came to church, but we learned something from the Word of God, and that we move something in our soul. Lord, we ask that you would just guide and bless this service. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Mark chapter 8. Uh, I love this passage, but before we go into that, um, while, and if, if you know me, I do teach history, so I'm going to put a little history lesson, and hopefully you love it. If not, and history was not your favorite lesson, not your favorite subject, uh, bless you anyway. But, here we go. While America was on the brink of war with the British, in 1771, Valentina Hua came across a, a crowd of blind people who were being mocked at, being made fun of, they were given dunce caps. Uh, they were uh, mocked and ridiculed for their blindness. In fact, they were told to play instruments without even knowing how to. And as he came across this, Valentina, being a linguist, thought to himself, I want to do something for these blind people. And so from there, he started to develop a national institute in Paris for the blind, specifically for young people. And as he's at this school, some people have joined him through the years, and uh, he's working later on, 
uh, for the king to translate. Again, he's a linguist, so he's translating a message that was given to the king of France. He translated it, and he brings it home, and a blind kid feels the embossed letters on it of the, of the stamp of, of approval. And he, the blind man, or the blind kid, tells Valentina, this is amazing, I can feel this. Well, Valentina puts that in the back of his head and says, I'm going to write a book. And as I write the book, I'm going to put embossed letters underneath it in the same font and same figure as the letter. That way the people can start reading it. Well, that wasn't good enough because the blind people still don't understand letters. And so uh, another man throughout the years came across a captain in Napoleon's army. And one of the things that this man did, I wrote his name down so I won't forget. This man, Charles Barbier, was a captain in Napoleon's army. And while he's at battle, one of the things that he did was he wrote little messages with bumps and dots and dashes in it to give to his soldiers to translate and uh, spread the message of the war strategies during the night to keep it all secret. Well, Charles Barbier comes to the National Institute uh, in Paris for the blinds. And relays this message. And a young boy is there and attending at 12 years old. Here's what he heard from his teachers. Here's Charles Barbier. And puts together an alphabet. At the age of 15, Louis Braille puts together uh, the Braille code. What they use today. Uh, a system of dots and divots. Uh, it's in a three, uh, three by two quadrant system. And today, it's ubiquitous. Go anywhere and you'll find some Braille, whether it be on a hallway placard or whether it be uh, maybe in a taxi cab as they're paying for it. Or of all places, you might see it in a drive through There's always that sign that says, if you're blind, come see us. Uh, I don't know why, but it's there. So Braille is ubiquitous across the board. And so we have here a man who was blind and we don't know how long. It may have been before. We, we have some hints about it. But let's deep uh, dive deep into the word of God in Verse 22, I have just little snippets of points that we'll put up on the screen. And then there'll be a takeaway at the end of this. What is the application? So our very first one we come across is, and he cometh to Bethsaida. I told you I do not. like. I like history more than any other subject, of course, but English is not my favorite. But I can tell you that there is a pronoun in the very beginning here. And he, who is that? That's going to be the, the antecedent to that is going to be Jesus. And he cometh to Bethsaida. Bethsaida was a coastal town. We'll get back and we'll backtrack a little bit through Mark chapter 8 and we'll get to this part. But we see that he's in a coastal town. Uh, in fact, several apostles are from this town. In Matthew, we actually will see that Jesus will later accurse the town for their unbelief. This town is a specific town, Bethsaida. And he cometh to it. Uh, and we see here... A blind man is led to Jesus. We look at verse 22. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him. And he besought him. Now at this point, we see, and besought him to touch him. There's a lot of hymns and pronouns, and our antecedents are thrown out the window now. There's a lot of hymns and, and hymns. And so this hymn is a blind man, of course, being brought to Jesus. Jesus being, of course, a person who his clothes can heal somebody. His, uh, just his presence can give uh, abilities to people who've lost their abilities. And here, they said, let's just bring this blind man to Jesus. In verse 23, And he, Jesus again, took the blind man by the hand. 
Uh, so some will say that uh, Jesus is actually leading him out of the town. We'll see that in just a little bit here. But he, he takes the man. He, leaves, he has the man leave things behind and says, I'm going to take you with me. And I'm just, just on a side note, I do this every once in a while on my level ups. But aren't you just glad that God just takes us? No matter what our conditions are at, he just takes us. It wasn't like he had to wait to go to a certain place. It wasn't like he had to be cleaned of some sin. He, had to, he just had to be taken by Jesus. As he was brought to Jesus, Jesus then continued that walk. And we see here in verse 23, And he took them by a man by the hand and led him out of the town. Let him brought him out of the surroundings, brought him out of everything that this man knew. The friends that brought him, Jesus leaves those people behind and has them follow them. What an ama- a crazy thing. And I love the fact that Jesus does this. And listen, Jesus works on a personal basis. He didn't have the crowd follow him. We don't see that written anywhere. We just see that Jesus takes this blind man. And we see it's creating that personal relationship. And again, aren't you glad for that personal relationship of Christ? Those days where you feel lonely, those days where you feel like everything's against you, you have that relationship. Let's keep going on verse 23. And it gets a little odd here. And when he had spit on his eyes, now I don't know about you, but uh, in my mind as I read the story as a kid, I always think of Jesus kind of hawking back a loogie. I don't know if that's appropriate to say and on live stream, but he spits on his eyes. Now, as I look into this, it actually was a common thing for witch doctors to do. In fact, they would spit on the ground and mix together some potion together and put it in people's eyes. And we know a story where Jesus does that, where Jesus spits, takes the clay, and puts it on a blind man's eyes. This is not that story. It's a different story here. We see he just spits on his eyes. What a What an odd thing here. But uh, this is not something out of the ordinary. Now, for us in our Western mindset, of course, this is a little abstract, I would say. And he spits on his eyes, and we continue through verse 23, and put his hands upon him. And he asked him if he saw aught. We see here, Jesus put his hands upon him. And then asked, the Lord who knows all, asked this man, can you see? Wouldn't you, could, what about that? I mean, this, Jesus knows all things, and yet he doesn't know if this man's healed. Or does he listening for reply? As he says, do you see anything? Do you see aught? And we see in verse number 24. And he looked up, and now this time our he is going to be the blind man. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. Now, we don't know, again, we don't know if this was, this blind man was blind from a child. But we do know that this blind man does understand a tree. I don't know if he maybe had seen a tree before, or maybe had heard about what a tree would look like. And so he sees and sees, I see men walking as trees. A common phrase of, I think even unbelievers know this story where they will say, uh, they see men walking as trees. And this blind man recognizes, but I want to see something different here. Now, again, I'm all about weird facts. And so this is why I love history. There's all these cool things about history. I think this is the only time, and I might be proven wrong, but I think this is the only time where Jesus has an incomplete miracle. How many times has Jesus fed the 5,000 yet forgot one behind? Didn't happen. How about the time where Jesus uh, healed a lady who had an issue of blood? She was completely healed. Lazarus wasn't partially brought back from the dead. He was completely brought back to the dead. This is the only time where we can see a scripture where Jesus' miracle doesn't seem to go all the way through. It's like that loading bar that you keep waiting and waiting and all of a sudden it just pauses. And you're like, I'm, I'm loading, and it doesn't completely load. Look at what it says here. 
He says, I see men walking as trees. Verse number 25. After that, he put his hands again upon his eyes. Wait, he did the same thing again? He spit the first time, and this time he just puts his hands on his eyes. Jesus' miracle doesn't seem to be complete. What is going on? And then we see here in verse number 26. After that, he put his hands again. We see that uh, in verse number 25. And he put his eyes and made him look up, and he was restored and saw every man clearly. And verse number 26, And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town, nor tell it to any of the town. I do think it's funny that every time Jesus says that, what's the first thing that people do? They go back into the town and tell everybody they know. I think every time in the Bible it talks about that. They say, Jesus says, don't do it. What's the first thing you do? You're going to do it. It's like talking to a kid, right? Don't look this direction. What are they going to do? They're going to look that direction. And so we see in this little story here, this amazing story that uh, I hope maybe you've heard before, but just taking a side-by-side analysis of Jesus, what he did and what he did, what he did, and then what he did. I'm not that smart to be alliterated, so hopefully the he's will just be my alliteration here. But I'm just going to take it out of the Bible here. Now, I do want us to go back to verse number 11. So let's backtrack just a little bit here. Verse number 11. It says in verse number 11, And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. The Pharisees, of course, these people who love, they love the Old Testament. They love the law specifically. These people would know the laws, the Pentateuch, the first uh, five books of the Old Testament. They would know the ins and outs of everything. And we know throughout, <clears throat> throughout history that these uh, Pharisees like to point out the flaws. Can I tell you, I, I like to be that. Anyone else like to join me in saying that they like to point out the flaws? I enjoy editing other people's work. That's why I enjoy being a teacher. I can edit and take that red pen out. And <clears throat> some people today say, don't use a red pen. That hurts their feelings. Uh, my mom was my, was my English teacher, so she definitely hurt my feelings. And I know she's watching, so I love you. But uh, we have that red pen comes out. And I love editing. I love making sure, well, this is supposed to be here and that's supposed to be there. <clears throat> but Please don't edit my work, okay? Anytime you see a mess up on the screen there, that's most times my fault. Uh, don't blame me for that. But I like to be the one criticizing. And again, I think all of us can join it. We are the Pharisee here. And it says, And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven. Who's the him here? Hey, this is Jesus. Isn't he the sign? Isn't, it's not a sign. He's the sign from heaven. He's standing before them in verse 12. He says, And he sighed deeply. Now, I do love this part because I feel like this as a teacher and you as a parent, uh, maybe someone in leadership where you, t- you give direction and the person does the opposite thing. And what's the first you're going to do? <sighs> right? You're going to, I can't, as a parent, I'm, many of you guys are parents. You understand that. You just sigh deep inside. I just, I told you to do this and you did the exact opposite. You're going to sigh deeply. And Jesus does the same thing here. And he sighs deeply in his spirit. He knew they're going to do this. But look what he says. And he said, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. Now, in case you thought, maybe he's saying this, he's not going to perform a miracle. Maybe he's, you think he's, going to, he's saying, I'm not going to do a sign. I would believe you'd be a little incorrect with this. Look what it says. He says, Why doth this generation seek after a sign? Again, if we were to switch that article from A to the, isn't Jesus the sign from heaven? Jesus is the miracle. Jesus is 
the, the seeing, the sight from heaven, the sign from heaven here. Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto him except this generation, unto this generation. He is the sign. And again, with the Holy Spirit living inside of me, I'm just excited. And I hope you get to be excited too with, with Jesus with you. You just, hey, I'm looking for, I, I want to see Jesus evident in my life. And there's times I pray for that. Uh, to be honest, one of the prayers I pray for my students, if I have a homeroom class or I have chapel in here, one of the prayers I pray for specifically is that Jesus is evident in their life, that Jesus does something specific in the lives of our students. Because I can tell you, growing up in church, and again, I know my parents are watching, so thank you again, but uh, I can tell you, growing up in church, I did everything correct. I, did, I, you know, I, I gave my money, I read my Bible, I did everything correct, but I only did it because I want to get that checklist. Uh, maybe a little sticker if you have that at your house. But in my mind, I work off a checklist system. Well, I did all that. But without the Holy Spirit indwelling me, I am missing that sign. And it wasn't until I was 11 years old that I realized, man, I'm doing all this. My, my dad is, has this position. and my, I'm, I'm homeschooled. I, I have, I'm away from the world with all of this. But I am missing something internally. But I'm doing everything correct. What is it? And of course, Jesus is that sign that once I was 12 years old, I realized I lived a year waiting and waiting. I'm missing something. What is causing this? And at 12 years old, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And I'm thankful for that. But I'm praying for that in my students' lives. God, I, I want you to show yourself evident. Maybe throughout my life, I've seen Jesus be evident, the Holy Spirit evident in my life. And I pray for that in my students. Because so many times, I don't then to be like me who are growing up, doing everything correctly. Maybe they are saved, but they are missing the Holy Spirit moving them to do things. And so I'm, I always ask that prayer. And I know that's a little commercial break there, but I pray the same thing for you as you are parents or grandparents or you are someone who raises uh, kids, whether through Sunday school or uh, you, you, you're someone in leadership, that this prayer is evident, that we say, Jesus is with us. I ask that he be evident in the lives of the people I'm ministering to. We see in verse number 13, as we continue through that. And he left them, entering into the ship again, and departed to the other side. Now we see Jesus leaves them, and he gets in that alone space. We recognize that because later on, the blind man is taken away from the city. The blind man is taken away from his community to be alone with Jesus. And Jesus himself does the same thing. He leaves the people he's around to get alone with his father. Verse number 14 we go into a little bit of a side trail, but it comes back. Verse number 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. Now that's a little odd. It's a little odd. Why do we have this in here? If you go back a little bit to the beginning of the chapter, Jesus feeds 4,000 people. Now, here he is. He feeds them. And a little bit later, we see in verse number 13, that, or verse number 14, yeah, 13, they leave and they forget the food behind. Verse number 14, now the disciples had forgotten to take, take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware the leaven of the Pharisees, and of the leaven of Herod. Verse number 16, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, It's because we have no bread. When Jesus is giving them a spiritual issue, they're going to their physical hunger. You notice that? He says, Beware the leaven. Beware those who know the scriptures in and out. And what, is, and what do they say? They say, well, is he talking because we're hungry? 
What's going on? Verse number 16, I think it's just a side note. It's just kind of funny there. Verse number 17, And when Jesus knew it, knew what they were thinking, he saith unto them, Why reason ye? Because ye have no bread. Perceive ye not yet, neither understand. Have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes, see ye not? By the way, it's kind of like a foreshadowing, right? Verse number 18 into verse number 22. Having eyes, see ye not? And having ears, hear ye not? And do ye not remember? When I break the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they said unto him, I could almost see it begrudgingly, twelve. And verse number 20, and, we say, and when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full of fragments? Remember, that's in the beginning of, the, of this chapter. And they said, seven. And he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? Ye do not understand. And by the way, just again, a little odd fact here. There's two different feedings of the thousands. You notice that, right? Did you see that? There's a feeding of 5,000 and there's a feeding of 4,000. And we have the baskets that were taken up, the 12 and the 7. And I just think it's kind of cool. We always think it's just one time. But Jesus has a lot of feeding. I think that's why Baptists like potlucks. But that's beside the part. We see here, Jesus reminds them. And how many times do we need to be reminded? I mean, I lo- I'm someone who likes to look back on the past. In fact, uh, seven years ago yesterday, seven years ago yesterday, I got in my car. My sister flew out from Seattle. Uh, my sister got in the car with me in Nashville, and we drove cross-country to move here. It was seven years ago. I was pretty excited. I, I love looking back. I was at a church in Tennessee, and I, had, I enjoyed it. I was there for five years uh, as a teacher, as a custodian, as an assistant to the pastor, not assistant pastor, uh, if you know that. Uh, and so I, I enjoyed that. But that's something that was in my past, and I look back on that, but I'm always— and I, I really do. I don't know if you're this way, and maybe I'm just this way. But I love looking back on the, on the things that Jesus has done. And sometimes I kind of get depressed. I think I'm kind of like one of the Israelites. Man, it was better when this happened. It was better when... But then I have to stop and think, what are the things that God is going to do in my life? I need to be looking forward, not looking back. No, it's not wrong to look back. And you should. Think of how God has taken care of you. But don't look back on the problems. Just as the, the Israelites were looking back, well... We had better food. Yeah, you were a slave. Well, we had this freedom. No, you didn't. But they always look back on all the issues. Hey, just, I know this is not in my notes, but let's look forward. We see here the disciples, Jesus takes a stop back and says, remember how I helped you? Do you remember those times I fed you? And how many did we have remaining? And again, in, my, in, in the childish mind that I have here, I just imagine this monotonely just saying the answer. And then in verse number 21, we already looked at this. It says, and he said unto them, how is it that ye do not understand? And I know I messed it up again because it's ye. And there's a reason why it's ye. But I won't spend 30 minutes talking about that. Okay, now let's go forward a little bit more. We're going to go to verse number 27. Because we already read 22 through 26. We understand the blind man is healed. And Jesus says, don't go tell anybody. Verse number 27. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. By the way, Caesarea Philippi is named after Caesar, naming his son Philip, and he names this town Caesarea Philippi, another coastal town. And by the way, not, that's not BTW for those who are young enough, but by the way, as we're walking along the road, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? What an odd conversation. As you're traveling, you don't, you don't usually think of philosophical questions. As you're driving down the road, you're probably playing I Spy, or you're, you're at my house, 
we have siblings. I have four younger sisters, and that's usually why I talk a lot. I try to try to get a word in edgewise. I talk too fast to try to get that in there. But one of the games we played growing up was you couldn't talk until your next town. Or we couldn't talk until we saw a pink mailbox. And that, gave, that kept us quiet for miles. Uh, or things like that. And he, what, that's games that I play. Look at what it says here. He has this philosophical question. Whom do men say that I am? He's asking the disciples. And they answered, John the Baptist. By the way, they had just put him to death two chapters previous. And they, they say, yeah, some people say you're John the Baptist. You're this ghost-like appearance. But some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And then he changes the question, and we know this, it's a familiar story. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? By the way, I said I wouldn't do this, but the word ye means you specifically. Not you as a group, but you specifically. He says, whom do ye say? Individually, whom do ye say that I am? And of course, we see in verse 29, Peter pipes up, as, as usual, and first, Peter answereth and said to him, Thou art the Christ. And in verse number 30, it kind of harkens back to verse 26, and he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And then, of course, they do the exact opposite. Uh, and it's kind of interesting what, what we see here, that Jesus does, so far, all the points have been he, and most of them have been referring to Jesus himself. But I want us to go back, and the title of the sermon, I, I forgot to do this and threw the guys off upstairs, but the title of the sermon is, Who is the Blind Man? Is it going to be the physically blind man? The blind man who may have been blind from birth, or, or with the blind man maybe throughout his, his life. People have degenerative eyesight, where he has lost his eyesight. Is he the true blind man here? Or is the blind man the Pharisees, the disciples, where Jesus is performing miracles? And yet, they're oblivious to it. it. Who's the real blind man here? And we can look back, and I gave you a story about Braille and how, uh, for the first time in millennium, that a blind people were able to read thanks to the Braille code. And actually, today, it's, they're moving away from that because nowadays you have technology that can read it for you. It's pretty cool. You can use your camera and aim it at things, and it'll read it to you. And so, Braille is kind of going away from that. And here we have this time where Blind people are in a, in a place where there is not much hope for them. But we see that in the, at the end of the story, he does have hope. And so we see this miracle that Jesus does. And again, how odd it is that Jesus' miracle doesn't completely work the first time. But our, our, my takeaway, and I'm, I'll have it up on the screen here, the takeaway, the application for me, what can I do for this? The first one that we see here is that Jesus reminds us to get alone. We see that Jesus got alone when he performed the miracle. He gets in the ship and leaves the disciples behind. He gets alone. We see also that he takes the, the blind man out of the town. He takes him out of the town to get away from all the surroundings. And for me, this helps me because I'm someone, as you see, I got, and many of you know me well enough, you know I like my technology, right? Uh, but there's times where I need to get alone. I, and I know we taught this before, and so I, I apologize for that. But I, there's so many times that I, myself, I'll get in the car and I'm going to turn the radio on or I'm going to listen to a podcast or I'm going to do all these different things. And this story tells me that my first is, I need to get alone. There's those times where I can drive without any music going just so I have my alone time with God. Or maybe your, your alone time is at 10 o'clock at night. The, the kid's been put to sleep and that's your alone time. 
and that you hold that sacred. And maybe you don't have it alone time. And I know you guys are old. I can't say much older. There's a few much older, but uh, there are just a few older than I am. And there's people my age, and there's no one here in my age group, or maybe a few. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, but uh, <laughs> there's so many times, yes, Bryce, uh, we are so addicted to music. In fact, I, I think it's one of the, if I could call an epidemic in that realm, that we're so addicted to have noise in our ears, maybe a white noise or a fan at night, just so we had constant noise. We put our headphones in and just drown ourselves from outside the world. And I, can I just tell you, one of my pet peeves, this is not biblical. It's not biblical. But I, one of my pet peeves is when I'm driving down the road and you have a whole family in a car and each and every one of them have headphones in. I, I don't know about you, that drives me up a wall. Or it's just maybe a son and a, and a father or just family members, just two of them in a car and one of them has headphones in. Can I just say, if that's you, I don't know if it's you, but pull it out. Have a conversation. I'm glad my dad, he, he would do that. I, would, I was not allowed to have headphones, so uh, I didn't have headphones as a kid. But those times you're riding the car, and I don't, I don't want to talk to my dad. But he's going to ask, and I hate this question. He would ask, what are you thinking, son? And I'm like, I don't want to tell you, because it's some bad thoughts. I'm about to get the same anger, right? But that's, that we, just, again, that's my pet peeve. Just pull up the headphones, have a conversation. I don't have any kids, and so I don't know what it's like, and maybe you... You have kids, and you need those headphones. That's your alone time. I don't know, but I, all I'm saying is, to go back to our point here, before I get in trouble, is let's remind ourselves to sometimes just be quiet. Sometimes let's not drown out God by every other noise under the sun except for him. Let's, I think it's put, almost putting music as a God, or volume and, and noise as a God, because we don't want to have that alone time with him. So our first point, we see God himself does it. Jesus himself does it. And we see also he, the, Jesus does it to the blind man. Takes him out of the town. Number two. Number two. Jesus reminds us to be patient. Jesus reminds us to be patient. There's so, so many times we are of the now generation. Uh, I am. Maybe you are too. We're part of the now generation. We want our answer now. We will have Google. We have Alexa. We have Siri. Okay, uh, we have all these devices around us, and we want our answers now. But in this story, the blind man doesn't complain. When he's first healed, he doesn't say, hey, come back, Jesus, you forgot something. I'm not all the way there. No, Jesus asked him, do you see? And the man says, I see men walking in the streets. He had to be patient for the complete miracle. And so many times, and you may, your prayer request may not get answered. I'm not here to say, if you donate to our church, every prayer request will be answered. I'm sure you'll donate a lot of money, but that's not going to be the answer to your prayer request. But we see that sometimes we just need to be patient. That miracle is maybe just around the corner. Uh, right now, I am, I am doing something that my teachers hate. I am separating classes and putting cl- students in A class and students in B class. And they are wanting to have the, that cross. I want this student, not that student. And I'm just telling them, be patient. I'm praying over the list, saying, I want the right students to be in the right class. Because that student can make or break a teacher, and that teacher can make or break a student that year. So we're praying for that. And sometimes, that's our prayer request. We just need to be patient. We want our answers now. Just as a blind man had to wait for the complete miracle of God, let us be patient. And number three, Jesus reminds us to know who he is. In verse 27, he's alone with his disciples. He asks them, whom do men say that I am? And then more specifically, whom do ye say that I am? And there's those times that we need to go back and remember. Just as I talked about our past, 
Let us remember what God has done in our lives. Let us remember what God has done and pray about what he will do in our life. Remember to know who God is and what he has done. And what an amazing time. Those, those are great times to praise the Lord. If you have nothing to praise the Lord about, look back. It's funny, someone just mentioned, the only time we ever write in a journal is any time that we have a bad day, right? Oh, this person cut me off in traffic, and this person, the, the, the school just took this out of my bank account, and I didn't have that money. I get that. I remember that day in college. And I, I, have, I can write down all the negative things, but let us write down the positive things. Let's remember to, for, to, <laughs> let's remember, uh, to know who God is. Remember what he has done and what he's going to do. And with those three things, I pray that that will instill something inside of you. Let's look back on the story of the, the blind man who wasn't completely healed. And let us remember that we should be like, more like him. Someone who just trusted God. He trusted God to complete the miracle. He was patient in it. He remembered to praise the Lord later on. But let us not be like the Pharisees. Because the real question is, who is a blind man? I would say, I think the real blind man in this story is going to be the Pharisees. The people who, they didn't remember who God was. I, I think it's those people who, uh, they were not patient. Let's hurry up. Hey, where's our food, Jesus? I'm on the boat. And all we have is one loaf of bread. That would be the, the disciples here. And let us remember to get alone. Let us remember to get away from all the noise and distraction. And again, I don't speak from experience as, as a parent. And maybe there is a lot of noise at your house. But I think maybe just carve away. Two minutes is more than zero minutes. Of those times get away with God. And so may we, may we always endeavor to not be like the blind man of the Pharisees. But let's remember to be the blind man of the man who had faith. With that, let's go ahead and close our eyes. We're going to, I know this is short and sweet, but hey, we'll pray and we'll have our, our, our invitation. Uh, the pianist will come out soon, but let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are so worthy to be praised. God, you performed a miracle, and it was partially and then completely. Lord, I'm so glad that the miracles you performed in my life and the, and the lives around us of, of salvation. It was not a partial miracle, Lord, but a complete miracle. Lord, we ask you to be with those uh, who you are speaking to right now, or maybe later on uh, through a live stream uh, service, or uh, maybe someone who wrote down notes that this will be applicable. That they can bring this uh, before you, or maybe share with someone else. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit again would move across those who are here. With your eyes remaining closed, maybe there's something that the Lord spoke to you about. Uh, our pianist will play. Maybe you need to remember uh, who God is in your life. It's a Wednesday night. Many of us are probably saved and you know you're on your way to heaven. Let's remember for, to uh, remember who God is in our lives. Maybe God spoke to you on uh, being patient and how we want to get our prayer requests answered in a, in a quick motion and, uh, or maybe God spoke to you about getting alone with him to make your way to the front You may look up this way. Thank you very much for coming this evening. And I hope the Lord spoke to you. Uh, maybe you took notes. 
Maybe you can share that with somebody. Uh, I know for those who've heard this a second time, maybe it was a second blessing to you. Uh, but I, I enjoy this lesson, and I like little quirks in the Bible. And so I hope this is great uh, works inside your life. Uh, we ask that you continue praying for uh, the people on their way back from camp this, uh, on this Friday, and those coming back from Leavenworth, and those, uh, as we mentioned, uh, Carol Munsterman, and those that we know. Uh, continue praying, as Brother Malucci pray, uh, mentioned, praying for Christina Santoyo. Uh, she's faithful. Uh, she's, send, she's been sending our kids to her, uh, her kids to our school uh, for the last four years, and many of you guys know her. She sits right up here, or at the eleven o'clock service, she sits in the balcony. And so her husband passed away uh, the first of July. And so we asked uh, if you could, if you aren't unable to make it, I completely understand. Uh, but if you maybe could swing by and shake her hand on Sunday and uh, just show your appreciation and uh, just just love and pray on her. She's a great lady and with two kids. Uh, by yourself now. With that being said, you're dismissed. I'll get you out of here early. You are dismissed.